powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. But has a Hebrew meaning. <laughs> but don't, don't lock yourself off to the world. Everybody's not that way. Everybody's not a deceiver. Everybody doesn't have hidden motives. Everybody in trying to get over on you. Don't harden your heart to the world. You know why? Because, because, because you'll miss great things. Now, uh, 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 touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Very important question. If God is omniscient, omniscient, or knowing all things all the time, question. He knew Achan took the accursed thing before they went to fight. Question. Pregunta. I got that word. Why didn't God tell Joshua about Achan before they went to battle? Instead of letting them lose the battle, he could have prevented. Okay, here it is. Let's go to the second gift. Why would God let him lose knowing he was going to let him lose? Why would God let you step out knowing that you were going to fail? Why would God let you do this knowing it wasn't going to work for you? Am I talking to anybody? Have you ever thought to yourself, why would God let me do this? And he knew. He had to have known because he's omniscient. He knows all things and he knows them all the time. Why wouldn't God have just told Joshua and they never would have lost? 36 men died. It wasn't like they just went up, shot some bow and arrows, and then retreated. No, 36 men lost their life. Why would a kind, merciful, good God let him go out there to lose when he could have told Joshua, don't fight? Something's wrong. Why? Well, you just never know, Bishop. You just don't never know. Well, why would you write a book if you're trying to keep secrets from people? He works in different ways, which is why some people call them mysterious, but they're not secretive because they're in the text. If you're trying to keep secrets, you don't write a tell-all book. Why wouldn't he have said to Joshua, Joshua, don't fight tomorrow. Ooh, for this battle, I am not with thee. (laughs) It's going to go down, and you're not going to win this one. Why? Why? Just ponder on it for 20 seconds. Actually, I can't get that much of my preaching time. For two seconds. <laughs> Why? You ever wonder that? You ever done something that you just knew God said you were supposed to do? Nobody? I mean, you just knew it. Your knower knew. In the South, that's what they get. <laughs> Your knower. You just knew it. 
I just know I was supposed to get that car. I just know I was supposed to get that. I just know it. Why didn't God stop it? If he knew Achan was going to cause them to lose. Why didn't God stop you from seeing that person in the mall? If he knew they were going to take you through 12 years of hell. It's quiet in here. Why? I said, por qué? Por qué? <laughs> Two words today. <laughs> I ain't where I want to be, but I thank God I ain't where I used to be. Okay. <laughs> Why, y'all? Why? Why would God allow you to be born in a bloodline that would be plagued with things you would have to be the conqueror of? Why would God let you start the business if he knew it was going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars and you were going to fail? He knew it. It's quiet in here. And until the atmosphere is right, I'm not moving on. So why? Why would God let you get on the road if he knew there was an accident? Why? Somebody tell me. Why? Why would God let you go up to only be embarrassed? Why would God let you go tell everybody, look what the Lord did, look what the Lord did, look what the Lord did, to only then have what you just told everybody the Lord did picked up? Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me? Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Some of y'all know about getting it picked up. Now, if y'all don't say amen right there, I see. Come on, be a good church, always. I'll be trying to teach y'all. Why? Why would God allow you to have to deal with the things you're dealing with if he knew they were going to push you to the edge? Why? Why, 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 why? This question, Harvest, is the perfect segue into the possible second scenario of why your plan didn't pan out. Amen. You ready for the second scenario? I gave it to you on Sunday. The plan was a trap door to another plan. The plan was a trap door to another plan. Now, I want to walk it out, and then we're going to go into third gear because this is going to shout me. So, again, as always, protocol is if I drop the mic and run out, y'all come sing something. Nobody gets scared. They're just going to come up and sing, and you just lift your hands until they tell you to do something else. <laughs> Harvest, I want you to listen to this. I want to say it slow so you get it. Sometimes what you thought the plan was was simply used by God to fulfill a greater plan that he never told you about. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Sometimes what you thought was the plan was never the plan at all. It was simply used by God to fulfill a greater plan that he never let you in on. Because if he knew he told you, you didn't have faith sufficient to bring it to pass. So he knew you had the faith to do that, but he knew you didn't have the faith to take a quantum leap. So because he knew you wouldn't take the leap, he just got you in the pool. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. And then once you got in the pool, he said, I got you out here now and you've come too far. So now you're going to have to do what I say because you're out in the deep and you don't know what to do without me. Sometimes God knows you, don't, you only had a faith for this. 
So sometimes what he does is he say, okay, we'll do that. But that was never his plan. He said, I just need you to get out in the water. There are two case studies in Scripture we're going to review. You ready to go to third gear? The first is a familiar favorite of mine. It is the story of Job. Check this out. Satan and Job were minding their own business. You missed it. Satan and Job were minding their own business. Bishop, how do you know that? Job wasn't messing with nobody. Job was taking his offerings up for his bad kids, and he was doing everything he was doing. No, his kids was bad. The Bible says he sold offerings for his kids. For their sin. That tells me by deductive logic they're bad. Now, watch this. He's minding his business. Touch your neighbor say he's minding his business. His business is going good. His family is going as good as can be. Everything for him is going fine. He's doing fine. He didn't want nothing else at the moment that the scripture seems to indicate. He was fine. Satan was fine. How do you know? There's a meeting of the sons of God, which is a Hebrew idiom for the angels, and not just any angels, the warring angels, the ranking angels. And the scripture says that they're having a meeting. So they go to the third heaven. That is where God's throne is. And they go to the third heaven, and in the third heaven, they're there for a meeting. And so they're gathered. And so, you know, Michael, Gabriel, one of them, they're like, all right, call it, be in the order. Pops is coming in. You know, God walks in. He's like, hey, 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 everybody, what's going on? Hey, Hasetan, Satan, the adversary, that's his name in Hebrew. He says, where have you been? How do you start the meeting by talking to the adversary? Oh, I'm on somebody in here. Put the scripture up. Job 1 and 6. And Satan also come among them. Go to verse 7. Watch this. And the Lord said to Satan, where you been? Satan said, I was talking to Job. No. Leave the scripture up. I was, uh, I was looking at Job's house. No. Satan says, I was walking to and fro on the earth. But for all of you people who keep giving the devil credit, he's not omnipresent. How do I know? He has to walk to get to where he's going. That's not omnipresent. So stop talking about the devil is busy. Shut that noise up. That's false teaching. That's not the Bible. He ain't busy. He's just doing what he's employed to do by heaven. He's on staff for heaven. Did you know that? Satan is on staff for God. He is used by God to accomplish purposes in us because God knew we needed an adversary because the scripture says, and I'll make your enemy your footstool. So without an enemy, there is no promotion. Without an enemy, there is no footstool. Metron increase. So Satan is on payroll. That's why he gets to come in in the meetings. He's not God's enemy. He's your enemy. He don't like you, but he gets along with God fine because he does what he's told. <laughs> Bishop, how do I know he does what he's told? I'm feeling it in and in. How do you know he does what he's told? Put up verse 8. Look what the Lord says. Have you considered Job? Well, wait a minute. Job is minding his business. Satan is minding his business. And all of a sudden, Pops comes in like, let's talk about Job. Pops is God. Wait a minute, leave the scripture up. What? Wait a minute. What? Job ain't minding no, messing with nobody. Job paying his offerings for his bad kids, living with his half crazy wife. She half crazy because she told God, you ought, uh, Job, you ought to just curse God and die. That means she's crazy. And God is like, neither one of y'all know what I'm getting ready to do. Because I'm the God who plays chess, 
with himself. Look what he says. Have you considered my servant Job? Satan didn't say anything about Job. And I've heard people say stuff like, well, the Lord knew Job was on Satan's mind. That ain't what the text says, and that's ridiculous. The Lord clearly brings it up in the discussion. Out of nowhere. That's like you go into your office meeting, and they're like, what did you think about that river raft? You're like, what are you, what? I thought this was a staff meeting. What? What? I don't even like no wrath. I don't even like water. What are you talking about? I need y'all to catch this, Harvest. Job was minding his own business. Satan was minding his own business, doing what he gets paid to do. Accuse you. <laughs> Revelation 12 teaches us. He says, have you considered Job? There's nobody like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who, shears, uh, who fears God and shuns evil. Next. Next verse. Come on. So Satan answered the Lord and said, well, since we're talking about Job, does he fear you for nothing? Wait a minute. This whole discussion that initiated the worst years of Job's life was initiated not by Satan. The worst years of Job's life were initiated by a conversation God started. Okay. See, the religious people can't handle that because you're so devil-minded, you don't know how to be God-focused. Isaiah 45 says, the Lord says, I am the Lord. I create good and evil. I create the light. I create the darkness. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is none other. The worst days of Job's life start with a conversation God initiates. Ooh. Look at the next verse. Have you not made a hedge around him, his household, and all that he has on every side? Have you not blessed the work of his hands and the possessions he increased in the land? So now all of a sudden, Satan's like, you know what? Let's talk about Job. He got a lot of stuff. Look, all his possessions, and you blessed him. You've empowered him to prosper, to do well, and to be made whole. Uh, of course, Job serves you. Why are we having this conversation? Look at verse 11. But now, since you brought him up, let me do what you pay me to do. Stretch out your hand, watch this, and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Watch the verse. Satan says, God, you have to be the one to do it, because I don't even have the power to do it without you doing it. That's why when you went through hell, you got real close to the edge, but you didn't get over. You know why? Because God says that's as far as, as you can go. That's why you never lost your mind. That's why you never threw in the towel. That's why you didn't commit suicide because God said that's his. First, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he's going to curse you to your face. Look at verse 12. So the Lord says, behold. I tell you what, I take my hand off. It's in your power. Only, remember the word power. Kish, remember the word power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. He says, so this is what you can do. But he never would have asked him to do it had God not brought it up. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I do not want us to go into the second story because I don't have time to exegete the text I want to. Essentially, there's another meeting. Tessa never says there's another meeting. And the, and the second meeting starts the same way as the first meeting does. Satan comes in the meeting. Ooh, man, rough day. Been just, just stirring up stuff. Rough day, rough day, rough day. Ooh, 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 ooh. You know, they say I'm busy, so I figured I ought to do something, you know. And uh, the meeting starts out the same way. Have you considered my servant, Joe? I'm sure Satan was like, again? I just took everything he had in a day. You want to do some more? 
think he can take anymore. Okay, I got to exegete it since y'all almost say nothing. Go, 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 to, uh, go to verse, get down to verse 15. Verse 15, Job 1 and 15. Uh, go to 16. We can skip that one. But he was still speaking. Another, this is day one. Uh, another also came and said, the fire of God fell upon heaven and burned up your sheep and servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Next verse. This is still day one. While he was speaking, another servant came and said, the Chaldeans formed bands, raided the camels, took away. And yes, they killed the servants of the edge of the sword. And I alone have to tell you. Verse 18. This is still day one. While he was still talking, another came and said, your sons and daughters are eating and drinking in their oldest brother's house. Keep going. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead. I'm the only one that get out to tell you. Next verse. Yeah, it felt like one thing after another thing after another thing. You, matter of fact, you just turn your phone off. You were like, I don't even want to hear nothing. Just, if you want to reach me, knock on the door because I come to my house. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshipped. That was day one. He lost everything he had day one. And Job was like, I don't even know what to do, but just to worship you, I live. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know. Watch this. I don't even know what to pray, so let me worship. My prayer might be jacked up because I might rebuke what's you. So let me shut up and worship rather than pray. Verse 20, uh, next verse. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Next verse. On all of this, uh, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Why? Because he worshiped first. Next. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. That means the angels. And the Satan came amongst them to present himself before the Lord. Give their status reports. Next verse. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you been? <laughs> see, I had to do it so you could see it. He said, from walking to and fro on the earth, from walking back. But he said, Lord, you know what I'd be doing. I'd be messing with folk. That's what I'd be doing. You want to go over the report of who I've been messing with? But you won't. Look at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, who? Who said to Satan? The Lord, the Lord said to Satan. A second time. Have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him on earth, a blameless and upright mind, one who fears God and shuns evil. And watch this. That was, he said the same thing, but then look, he adds this. And he still holds fast to his integrity or faithfulness. But watch this verse. Watch where the Lord turns it. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Well, now, wait a minute. But you started the conversation. I would have never said nothing about him. Listen, what are you trying to tell me? God thinks so much about you. That he brought your name up because he said, I know I can trust so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so to go through all this hell and they still going to come to church. To go through all of this hell and they still going to worship. To go through all of this hell and they still going to Who am I preaching to? God knew he could trust. Shall God can trust me? And if that ain't the truth, it's going to become the truth if you keep being faithful to the word and faithful to this house. Amen. The Lord, look how the Lord turns the leader verse up. I love the Lord. The Lord's like, you tried to turn me against them. Even though I brought up the conversation. This next day, uh, the Lord gives him power over his body. So he goes through a lot of uh, uh, physical ailments, sicknesses, etc. Look at me, Harvest. Look at me. God had a plan he didn't disclose to Satan or to Job. 
Bishop, what was the plan? God's plan was to extract seed from Job through a storm so that Job could experience life at a level he never imagined. It's quiet up in here. I said it's quiet up in here. Well, Bishop, 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 why did he have to do all that? Because the plan of God showed Job several things. That process was necessary. Does your name say it was necessary? See, I know it was painful, but it was necessary. I know it rocked you, but it was necessary. I know it made you doubt yourself, but it was necessary. I know it made you think you weren't good enough, but it was necessary. I know it made you question everything you believe, but it was necessary. Bishop, why was it necessary? Because it showed you a few things. You know what Job learned in his storm? He learned several things, but here's a few of what he learned. Job learned what his friends were really made of. Job discovered that these guys that he had had around eating his food and sitting up at his table and driving his car and all this, Job discovered that these jokers wasn't about nothing. How do you know that, Bishop? Look at the counsel they gave him. They said, Job, you're going through this. You must be in sin. You're in sin. What sins in your life? What are you doing? Mm, the devil is busy. But God, you're real. Order my steps. I don't understand some Christian stuff. That's why we don't sing that. <laughs> it ain't biblical. That's why. Joe found out who his friends were. You know what? You never really, really found out the people around you if it was not for the storm. And you may be cursing the storm, but the storm was necessary for you to find out what you had. Because let me tell you what I've discovered about storms. A lot of times what I thought I had and what I thought I had built and what I thought I had inbred in terms of loyalty, what I discovered was is I didn't really have what I always thought I did. Touch your neighbor said, a storm taught me that. But then watch this. There was something else. Job also learned how to command his day. Because while Job was in the middle of his breakdown, the Lord says, well, have you commanded your day? In other words, Job, stop complaining. You're going to learn some lessons. See, when I was coming up in the South, they used to say, come on in here, boy, and get your lessons. In other words, come on in here and get your studying done. In other words, your storm was your school. Your storm was your studying. God said, I don't have 50 years to get you to learn this, so I'm going to let you go through a storm, and the storm is going to teach you what 50 years of life would have taught somebody else. So come here, Job, learn how to command your day. And since the sun is down, Touch your neighbor say, the storm taught me that. The storm, the storm taught me to call things that be not as though they were. The storm taught me that life and death are in the power of my tongue. The storm taught me that. But then, watch this. But then the storm taught him how to break through instead of break down. Say, it taught me some stuff. But here's the trip I need you to get. And then I got to move you to the second one. I got seven minutes on the CD. And I'm committed to not doing a second CD. Watch this. Here's what, here's, here's what happened, y'all. Touch your neighbor and say, this is good. For both of us. Here, here, here's, here's what happened in the storm. Here's what we need to get. God's plan from Jump Street was to not only teach Job lots of lessons. God's plan from Jump Street was to give Job a level of life that his faithfulness deserved. See, he wasn't perfect, but he was faithful. He was consistent. He was loyal. He could be counted on. So God, when he starts the conversation with two guys that are minding their own business, God in his mind is thinking, I'm going to give Job double. Yes, I am. I'm going to give him double. He's going to go through hell, but I'm going to give him double. 
He's going to cry sometimes, but I'm going to give him double. He's going to feel like he ain't good enough, but I'm going to give him double. He's going to feel like nothing works for him, but I'm going to give him. Listen, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell somebody in here, your double is due. I ain't got no faith on that side. Let me try in the middle. I'm trying to tell somebody you survived the storm and your double is due. And if you want it, I dare you to shout yes. Shout I want it now. So when Job prayed for the same people that turned on him seemingly through the counsel they gave him, the scripture says the Lord turned his captivity and gave him twice as much as he had before. But chapter 42 was always on God's mind in chapter number one. But it took 41 chapters. It was never the plan. It was never the plan. He didn't do anything wrong. The plan was always from Jump Street. I want to give him a level of life he never imagined he could have. Eye hasn't seen. Ear hasn't heard. Neither has it ended. I want to do stuff for you, God says. You can't even write up. You can't even conjure up. I want to have favor on you in ways that you can't say nothing but I... Had to be God. I don't even know. I don't even know how that happened. I don't know how they found my name. I don't know how that fell off my credit report. I don't know how that. Won't he do it? So what starts out for Job ends up being a a different plan. Y'all want me to give you the the other case study or stop right here? Because I can stop right here because I know y'all get so tired here in Denver and you got to rest. I'm going on anyhow, I'm just being a good Christian. <laughs> Go to the second city if you need to. Watch this. <laughs> That's one case study. You ready for the second case study? No, we already read the story. But the second one perhaps is the one that shouts me in such a way. Job shouts me too because double is good. But the one about Saul really shouts me. You know why it really shouts me? It's because it will then help you get a better understanding of some of the things you called failure in your life. We just read the story in 1 Samuel 9, right? Saul, the son of Kish. Remember I told you to remember that word power? The Lord says, Satan, everything you have is in his power, under your power. Only don't touch his life. So Kish's son is Saul. Saul's name in Hebrew means something asked for or something borrowed. But he's sent out by Kish, whose name means power. Come on, connect dots. This is the same scenario as with Job. God says to Satan, all you have is under your Kish. All he has is under your power, Satan. Only don't touch his life. So now when we see Kish sending out Saul to find the donkeys, we are seeing parallel imagery of the same scenario playing out with different people. Bishop, what are you trying to tell me? God has a history and God has a MO of using trapdoor plans. Yeah. 
So power sends out something asked for. And says, go find my donkeys. All of my donkeys are lost. Go find them. Now, it's interesting to know Kish was also wealthy. So why would he send his son to do the work of a slave? He's wealthy. He could have hit and sent one of his south slaves. He could have sent one of the servants. He said, you go find it. Why would he send something he asked for? Saul means asked for. Why would he send something he asked for? You missed it. Why would he send his son that he asked for to go find something less valuable than he? Okay. All right. Let me go back to first gear. God because power sent him, sent Saul to find donkeys, but that clearly was never his plan. God had a journey for Saul that would eventually get him to the throne. Power sends something asked for to find donkeys which are less valuable than what was asked for was. You're missing it. There's some stuff you didn't ask God for. That God says, well, the process to get that is this. What you ask for, for. Touch your neighbor say, deal with the process. See, you want to be great, but you don't want to pay the price greatness have. You want to be favored and have an anointing and have power, but you don't want to pay the price that power has. God says, what you ask for, for. Can, can, can I help you? Kish sent his son Saul and a servant to look for what was lost. Saul's name means asked for. He was from a small tribe of no notoriety. And it's interesting. Sometimes, write this down. Sometimes the lessons learned are the plan. Sometimes the lessons learned are the plan. Now, he searched for donkeys. Can I get, can I get the rest of this text real quick? He searched for donkeys in four places, and I want you to get this. And I'm going to move to get you out of here quicker because I, I do know you, you have to go do whatever you got to do. <laughs> so I will get you out of here. All right, somebody say four places. Now, when we get to these four places, again, this is one of those areas I'm subject to run, okay? He, he searched for the donkeys in four distinct places, which are interesting. Because each place's name, by its Hebrew definition, suggests that it was more than just a place. It suggests that it was a process. Mr. what do you mean? The first place he went was Ephraim. Ephraim, watch this, it means high places that used to be very fruitful. High places where they used to be very fruitful. In other words, the first process Saul had to go through while he was looking for donkeys, which was really God's plan to get him to the throne. Bishop, what does that mean for you? Bishop, I ain't trying to take on the throne. It just means. No, somebody asked that. I felt it. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm fine. My seat's okay. I don't need no big seat. This is fine. I'm okay. It just means an elevated place of life. It means something higher and greater than what you, than what you currently have. Right? All right. So walk with me. Walk with me, Harvest. The first place he went was to Ephraim. Now, check this out. 
it means high places. The inference is that used to be very fruitful. In other words, the first place in the process was the past. The past showed up. And you got to be careful when the past shows up because its goal is to get you stuck in Ephraim. Oh, I'm helping somebody in here. You got to be careful when the past shows up and then you need to look at, well, why are you showing up at this particular time? Okay, I got to move. The second place, I got to move, I got to move. The second place was Shalisha. Watch this. It is the place of Baal. Okay. So, all right, Harvest. That's why we went back to first gear. Y'all okay? I know I'm teaching really long. I think I've been teaching for like an hour. Y'all just, I'll just stop. I'll just put the rest online. I just, because I, I just put the rest online and y'all can just get it tomorrow. Okay, I got one, I got one, I got two, I got three. Baal was the god of the moon. Come on, come on, come on, come on. For those of you that were not here for the command your year teaching, I got to give you the real Cliff Notes version. It is the, the system of default. The default rulers of the day are the sun and the moon. So if you don't command the day, then whatever the sun and the moon have set is what will be set in your day. And you got to get that teaching. I do not have time to go through it. It is all biblical. It's all straight scripture. You can read it for yourself. In other words, after the past shows up, the temptation to be average shows up. The temptation to settle. Well, I just, I just, there's too much for me. I just, I just can't do that. I better just stay back here because I can do this. After Ephraim shows up, Shalisha shows up, and the goal is to get you to settle for the default average of life. Because if, watch this, Satan ain't trying to kill you. He just wants you to settle for the default. Because if he settles for the, if you settle for the default, you're a worse advertisement for the kingdom. He doesn't want you dead. He wants you walking around looking like you're dead. He doesn't want you dead. He wants you walking around looking like you're messed up, jacked up. But I think there's some people in this place tonight that say, I will not settle for the default of. The fourth place was the place called Shalim. Excuse me, the third place. Thank you. The third place was the place called Shalim. Shalim in Hebrew means small foxes. So after the past shows up, then the temptation to settle for the default average. And I got to tell you something. Settling for the default average, it may make you comfortable, but it then will then make you miserable. Settling for the default average, it starts out making you comfortable. And then after that, when you see what you could have had, it makes you miserable. It starts out real nice. It sweet talks you. And then once it got what it wants, then all of a sudden now it. But then the third place is the place of small foxes. Uh, Song of Solomon 2.15 says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grapevines of blossoming. Uh, 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 watch this. Small foxes represent bad relationships and bad connections. So after the past shows up, then the, the temptation to settle for the default average of life shows up. And then after that, some bad talk is going to come to your ear. Come here, LMAs. Lots, Miriams, and Akins are going to come in your ear. 
Bad relationships, bad connections. People are going to start saying stuff to you about, well, why you do all this? And why you do all that? And why you do all this? And then you go, and then, well, I don't know. And you sitting there listening to a loser that ain't got nothing, ever, never had nothing, ain't trying to be nothing. And you sitting here, let them talk you out of serving God. You got to learn how to tell some people, what you're talking is trash, and my ears are not garbage cans. So you're going to have to talk that mess somewhere else. Bad relationships, bad connections. Small foxes. And their whole goal is to destroy the vine. Their whole goal is to ruin the connection between the source and what is receiving from the source. I was talking to a pastor uh, the other day. Talking about a young man uh, that was in his ministry that, uh, that was making great progress. He came to church, got off of drugs. I mean, he was on some serious stuff, too. I mean, just copious quantities of, of dope and all kind of stuff. Whatever dope he could find, he was taking. And he had got his, began to get his life turned around. He's beginning to do some great things. I'm beginning to do some good things. And, and, and over the holiday, he went to be with his family. And he started feeling like he had to tell them all this progress he was making. And I'm doing so well, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and see this, and see this, and see this. And all of a sudden, them LMAs, those small foxes, got in there. Well, you really am this. You really don't have to do that. Why are you doing all that? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And that boy sat up and then got back in the same mess that he was in before because he didn't know how to deal with the shaling. He didn't know how to deal with the small foxes. He got talked out of the victory he was in. The fourth place he went, the place of the Benjamites. I apologize I went this long. Y'all learning? I apologize. I apologize. Y'all forgive me. The fourth place, you ready for this one? So if you can beat, watch this, if you can beat, watch this, the past. If you can beat the default, the temptation to settle for the default average of life, if you can beat the small foxes, there's only one thing left to beat, the Benjamites. Now, here's what you need to know. Benjamites in Hebrew means the place of the ravenous wolves. It's interesting they went to four places. Sports fans, four quarters. Weather fans, fourth quadrant of a hurricane. It sometimes is the roughest. But it is also an indication that the game's almost over. The fourth quadrant of a hurricane is the roughest, but it's also an indication that the storm is just about over. The place of ravenous wolves may be rough, but that is a place to indicate to you that I have passed all four levels. Don't get mad when stuff gets rough. Get excited. Bishop, why get excited? I got to close it here. Bishop, why should I get excited? You should get excited because if you made it to the Benjamites, that means you've already passed the first three levels. So if you got to the rough stage, that means you've already beat three out of the four, which means there's nothing to be crying about. That's something to be shouting about, which means when the wolves show up, start shouting, thank you. Why? Because I'm in the fourth quadrant of this bad boy, which means the storm is just about I dare you to prophesy out to your own storm and say you're just about over. Say it. Say you're just, yes you are. You're just about over. The journey, I'm closing. The journey, the journey, the journey takes him to the Benjamites. 
And it's in the Benjamites where he's ready to give up. He's like, listen, listen, let's just throw in the towel. He said, listen, this doesn't make no sense. Let's throw in the towel. Let's just throw in the towel because my father's going to be worried about us, and uh, we probably aren't even going to find him. And, you know, he doesn't care about no dying. He's tried to spiritualize his weakness. He tried to spiritualize his quit. He spiritualized it. But I guess this just ain't God's will because it's tough. The cross was God's will, and it required a life. Touch your neighbor and say, God's will won't always be easy. In fact, if it is easy, I want to know whose will it is. <laughs> Let's have a will contest and figure out whose that is. You got that? Watch what happened. Watch what happened. He, 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 gets, he gets discouraged. And Saul is like, listen, man, this is, this is, I don't have to do all this. Let's just go back to the house. Let's just go back to the house. Let's just relax. Let's go, let's go get something to eat. Our bread is gone. Let's just go back to the house. Let's just go back to what we know, because what we know is what we feel good in. Let's just go back to the house. Let's my father be worried about us. And his servant says, well, before you do that, can I make a suggestion? We made it past the Benjamites, and to our right, business former version, to our right, there's the land of Zuff. And I heard that in Zuff, Denver, uh, there's a man of God there. And I heard that uh, uh, if we can uh, just get to him, he's going to tell us about these donkeys and everything else going on. In other words, Saul, let's not play the guessing game and we can just go ask him. Why are we making it hard when we can just go ask him? God didn't send you here for you to struggle through life. God sent you here so when you show up to hear from this book desk and this sacred book board that you can get the answers for your life. So he said, let's not guess. Let's just go ask him. We sit up here guessing. This is he's going to tell us our way. So I was like, we ain't got no offering to take him. We, our bread is gone. Listen, he don't want no old bread. And he, he, get, he wants some good bread. He wants good bread, whole wheat bread with oats because he don't eat white bread no more because it's bleached. This <laughs> is you know, what the Bible is. You got to know Hebrew. Okay. And so, and so, and so, and so, he don't want all that. And so, uh, let's take him an offering. And so they take him an offering. And we've already read the story, but I just got to get it to you because it's so powerful. They, they, they run up to the city right after he was ready to throw in the towel. But he waited another day. Come here, Joshua. He went to AI a second time. And he said, fine, let's just go see if this Samuel thing works out. He goes and tries to find Samuel. The girl's drawing the water, says, where's the seer? Where's the seer? Where's the prophet? Where's the man of God? Where's he at? The ladies say to him, oh, it's good you came here right now at this time. Because he's on his way up to the, to the high place to eat and sacrifice. And had you missed him now, you wouldn't have been able to get the answer to your question. So then they walk, they walk, they walk, they walk. And, uh, come here, come here, come here, come here. They walk. So you're you going to be Saul and I'm going to be Samuel. So they walking. They behind Samuel. So walk up to me. Say, good day, sir. Uh, say, I'm, I'm looking for the man of God. Oh, which one are you looking for? <laughs> you trying to give him some or you owe him some, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, what's your name? <laughs> no, I'm just messing. Looking for the man of God. Oh, good. I'm the man of God. 
And uh, uh, hey, what you don't know, parenthetically said it, yesterday, God had a conversation with me about you. And yesterday, God told me that about this time tomorrow, I was going to meet a Benjamite. And when I saw him, I was to anoint him to be the first king ever over all of Israel. And by the way, the donkeys you were looking for, they had already found those. In other words, we never intended to send you to find no donkeys. Thank you. We didn't, we, you were never sent out to find donkeys in the first place. The reason we sent you out, can I close it here? The reason we sent you out to find donkeys is because while you were looking for the donkeys, you were going to go through a process. And that process was going to take you through your past. And that process was going to take you through not settling for the default average of life. And that process was going to take you through not getting caught up with the small foxes. And that process was going to take you past the ravenous wolves because that process was going to get you to Zuff on this day so that I could anoint you to be king. Which means the reason your plan didn't pan out to find the donkeys is because we never wanted you to find them in the... I'm trying to tell somebody, stop crying over what didn't work. Maybe it was never God's plan in the... He said, he said, by the way, those donkeys that are troubling you, three days ago, they found those. Power never sends you out to find no donkeys. You're the son of power. Why would we send you to find donkeys anyhow? We never wanted you to find them. We needed you to find me. Some of you sitting there wondering, how did I get in Denver? This is your Zuff. Oh, God, it's too quiet in here. Okay. Somebody said, how would I get in this? God said, I need you to get to Zuff. I never intended for the first plan to ever be the plan. It was a trap door to another plan, Saul. That was never the plan. And I didn't tell you about it. And I didn't tell Kish about it. And I didn't tell the servant about it. And I didn't even tell Samuel about it until the day before. And I told him when he saw you that he was to anoint you to be king over Israel. The first one ever in the history of the nation of Israel. If you read on in chapter 10, you can do it in your own time. Chapter 10, chapter 11, you read on from there and the rest of chapter 9, you discover that Saul from that day, he submitted to Samuel. And he submitted to Samuel, Samuel as his spiritual father. Bishop, how do you know this? Because the scripture says Saul started prophesying with the sons of the prophets. And they said to him, Saul is amongst the prophets, but who is his father? He says, well, Samuel is. He submitted himself from that day. And then the day came to where Samuel came before the people of Israel. And he said, it's time for us to anoint the king. And he said, well, who is the king? Saul was in the back hiding. (laughs) 
Maybe I'm blending in. My shirt's kind of gray. And he says, Saul, the plan was never ever for you to ever find the donkeys. The plan from Jump Street was for you to become king. Job, the plan was never ever just for you to go through. The plan had always been for me to give you double. I just didn't tell you and I didn't tell Satan. You know why? I don't have to. Property doesn't get to discuss how it's spent, nor how it's used. I'm closing here. When he bought us on the cross, he said, I'm paying the price for you, and you are not your own anymore, so you don't get to tell me what I'm going to do with your life. If I want to give you double, doggone it, I'm going to give you double. If I want you to become king, doggone it, you're going to become king because property doesn't get to tell its owner what to do with it. Everybody stand on your feet. Did we get it? <laughs> maybe the plan, maybe the plan was a trap door to another plan. Think about it. Had you not dealt with some of the storms, you never would have found certain things out. You never would have known who was for you, who was against you. You, you never would have known what you were made of. You never would have known what you were built of. You never would have known except for the storm. I'm just trying to tell you tonight, and I did it in a prolonged way, but I just wanted you to get this tonight. That sometimes when your plans don't pan out, don't get mad. Just sit there and say, what's going on? Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R 10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com bundle. Restrictions apply.